That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots, other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I mentioned before, we have the privilege of seeing a glimpse of some of the ways in which many seeds have been sown in Kenya. Holly and Fred Okoth have been missionaries that we at St. John's have had the privilege of journeying alongside and supporting. I think you were telling me, Holly, it's been 10 years now, and uh, they want to share with you some of the ways in which God has been faithful, some of the ways in which you have been faithful in responding to God's call, and some of the ways in which God calls us all to continue to sow seeds of faith that God may grow the things that he has led us to be a part of growing in this world. And so without any more from me, would you please give a very warm welcome to Holly and Fred Okor. So 10 years ago, do you remember where you were? What your family looked like? What were your priorities in life? Maybe you had a different job. Grace, we know 10 years ago you were turning 86, not 96. <laughs> 10 years ago, I was 24, living in Pastor Tom and Alyssa's basement in Pell Lake. <laughs> Gas, 10 years ago, was only $3.90 a gallon. So we're almost there, folks. <laughs> I was working as the youth director, preparing to move to Kenya for the rest of my life, really having no idea what that looked like. And part of my preparation, I wrote my first ever newsletter entitled Marriage, Missions, and Moving. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to my church family, many of you, and with your blessing and your support, I moved to Kenya, got married to Fred, and together we entered into full-time mm -hmm. missions. I haven't aged, right? And <laughs> <laughs> you laughed a little too loud there. <laughs> In August, we will celebrate 10 years of serving God together. Together, Fred and I, we have a passion to cultivate Christ-like communities that live to proclaim hope for the future. Mm. And we do that through three areas of ministry. One is discipleship, child sponsorship, and education. Fred, he pastors a church, and together we work together at discipling the body of Christ. We have a sponsorship program of over 75 children that many of you sponsor children through. Together, we partner with those families, providing a better future for them. In 2020, we opened Good News Maguena Academy, and just last year, we asked your council to partner with us in building one classroom for Good mm -hmm. News Maguena Academy of $15,000. And St. John's, you knocked our socks off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you raised over $30,000. Yep. We have two classrooms. We have two classrooms at 
Good News McGuina Academy that are dedicated to St. John's. Through these three areas of ministry, discipleship, child sponsorship, and education, mm -hmm. it is our desire to see families grow closer to Christ and make him known in their communities. But I have to admit, when I moved to Kenya, I was a little naive mm. about starting full-time missions. I never anticipated the time that it would take for me to feel settled in Kenya, understand their culture and their people, and be able to relate to them. Mm -hmm. But really, what I didn't understand is how long it would take me to receive a chicken as a gift and have it not fly out of my hands. But after 10 years and receiving over hundreds of chickens, I can constantly say, I can grab the head and the feet so it will not fly out of my hands. Mm. Can you do that? <laughs> There's a statistic that says most people in ministry remain in one place for an average of two years. However, it takes at least seven years before you begin to see real progress and advancement in your ministry after remaining in one place. When I moved to Kenya, I was so sure that the seeds that we planted would bear fruit almost immediately. Hmm. But what I didn't yet realize was that real, lasting progress, it takes time. And I was reminded of this recently. We were in Fred's village, and Fred and his dad took our girls on a hike through the village. And as they walked through the village, when they came back, they came back with a huge bucket full of juicy, ripe mangoes. They were so excited to eat these mangoes. I got a knife, cut it open, and as you can see, juice was just pouring down their face mm. as they were devouring these mangoes. And our daughter, Eliana, she pointed to a tree in the distance. She said, Mom, we picked mangoes off of that tree. Fred's dad said, that tree my great-grandfather planted, and today my grandchildren are enjoying the sweet fruit of his labor. Mm. Over 40 years ago, that tree was planted, and today we are enjoying the sweetness. What fruit will we see in the next 10, 20, or even 40 years because of the seeds that we plant today? That story reminds me of the scripture that we've just read of the sower and the seed the book of Matthew 13, 1 through 9. This parable has a, got a lot of things that we can learn about, but today I want us to learn about who is the farmer. Who is the farmer? In context, Jesus is the farmer. He spent three years of his life preaching the message of the kingdom with varied results. When we see God as the sower, it is incredibly meaningful. It is wasteful for a farmer to throw seeds away on the soil that he knows very well that will not produce. But the farmer is so hopeful that he's willing to do it anyway. Jesus Christ does not differentiate between worthy and unworthy soil. He keeps on throwing grace and gospel seed unto us because he's just consumed with one thing, a desire to see us grow closer to him. Ultimately, however, as the body of Christ, the church is the sower. Jesus said in his great commission, Go ye into the world and make disciples. Now, 
It is our job to be in the world sowing the seed of the gospel. And if we want to create a disciple, we have to be mindful of various kinds of soil. If we desire to grow a bountiful crop, we need to spread as much seeds as we possibly can. And then trusting that God will make it grow. Just like in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 3, Paul is saying that I planted the seed. Apollo is watering the plant. But ultimately, God is the one who is making this seed to grow and eventually produce the fruit. And sometimes soil that may not look very hopeful for you and me can be just the right soil that God wants to plant the seed of faith. My father is a farmer. One day, I escorted him to his small farm in our home. And you know, uh, there we, we plant, farm, we plant uh, corn. So as we were weeding, you know, we were weeding. I saw my dad taking his, his shovel and uprooting a certain corn plant that was withering and almost dying. And to me, it's like, why did he, do, why did he have to do this? And then, carefully, I began to monitor what my dad was doing. He found out later that at the roots of this uh, corn plant, there was a weed that entangled its roots. So it was sucking life from this corn plant. So carefully, he began to remove this, uh, 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 this weed from the corn root. He removed it very carefully, very tenderly. And what amazes me, or shocked me later, I saw my dad taking this corn plant into a different place within the farm and planted it. In my mind, it's like, Dad, you are wasting your time with this withering, almost dying plant. Why, why are you planting it there? I've, I even doubted if it will, you know, uh, survive and also produce fruit. Because to me, it was like, it's done. It's, it's done. So later the following week, I went to the farm. I was surprised to see that withering, almost dying plant grew so strong, very green and taller than any other maize or any other corn plant that were in the farm. Boy, I was wrong. I was proved very, very wrong that the plant that I thought had no strength to survive and produce fruit this time around was so green and strong and was going to produce fruit. Sometimes God's work in our life is watching his hands, removing things that keep us from growing, things that suck life from our life. And just as my dad did to that uh, dying plant, God, in the same way, he's placing us 
to a very good place within his farm so that we can grow and eventually produce fruit. That's one, that's two. Just as in the book of John, chapter number 15, uh, verses 2, Jesus Christ is saying that my father is the farmer and every branch that is not producing fruit is cut off. And every branch that is producing fruit, my father prunes so that it can produce much fruit. As a pastor of a church, my priority is to foster an environment where this kind of work takes place. Recently, we had a missionary friend come to our church to help us teach during a marriage conference. As we were preparing for this conference that was upcoming, this missionary friend asked us, how many families do you have in your church who are so strong? Strong families. <laughs> we look at each other. Because we could hardly count only five. Five strong families in our church. Let me tell you one thing. The pandemic did not only affect Kenyan economy. It affected families too. In Kenya, families are hurting. Families are falling apart. And so by realizing this, I, together with my other leaders, we have so decided to put much of our effort in making sure that families within our church are restored by having such conferences that was upcoming, by having counseling time, by having prayer time with these families, and also just encouraging them and hoping that the work and the effort that we are putting in making sure that these families are restored will be achieved in the years to come. Just before we came to Kenya, <laughs> sorry, just before we came to US, we had a glimpse of hope that God is working on restoring families. During the marriage conference that we had, there was this family that attended the conference. This family, they have been staying in the marriage almost 50 years. But as they were coming in, we could detect, we could realize that things are not okay with them, with the couple that is. So at one of our breaks, I asked one of our leaders to go and talk with the wife and try to get to know what is the problem. This really caught me by a surprise because they have stayed almost 50 years in marriage. If that is not a good soil, then I don't know what is. So as the, the leader, you know, one of the leader talked with her, the woman poured her heart out. 
In the end, she said that this evening, I'm not going back home. I can't see eye to eye, face to face with my husband. I am going to spend at the church this night. We took our time. We prayed with her. We counseled her. She was calm. And then the following day, the teacher was teaching about offering forgiveness. By the end of his teaching, he called for any person who would want to be prayed for. One by one, I could see my church members running to the stage, kneeling down, beginning to pray. I was surprised to see this woman walking very carefully, going to the stage, kneeling down, beginning to pray. Seconds later, I saw the husband was also walking very carefully, very carefully, knelt down. Both of them, they prayed together. They prayed together and offered one another forgiveness. I want to say that God is never finished fostering the growth of our faith. This was so encouraging as we consider the fruit that we hope to see in the years to come through our marriage ministry. It continues to be our prayer that more relationship can be restored because they feel the unconditional love and the seeds of faith that we have been planting in their families. Another example of long growing fruit. Shortly after I moved to Kenya, I started our child sponsorship program. And the way that this sponsorship program works is we interview a group of vulnerable children together with their parents. And if they qualify for a sponsorship program, that is when we come and we look for sponsors. But a child is not admitted into the sponsorship program until we have confirmed a sponsorship. But I want to tell you about a little boy named Victor. That because of a great need, we did everything different. Victor was born the same week as Eliana, about seven years ago. And as they continued to grow as babies, just a few months old, we could see that Victor, he wasn't meeting some of his crucial milestones as a baby. We reached out to the mother and we asked Mama Victor if we could help take Victor to the doctor with her to see if there was something that could be helped with Victor. She was more than happy to go to the doctor and she said she could also notice that Victor, he wasn't the same as her other children that she had raised. So we took Victor to the doctors in Kisumu, several pediatricians, and every doctor that we went to said, Victor, he's malnourished. Victor's mom needs to feed him more often. Every two hours she needs to feed him. We provided supplements for the mother, for the baby. We tried everything to make sure Victor was getting the nutrients he needed. But I knew something was wrong. Victor, he never, he never started growing and reaching his milestones the way he sh should have. My hands were tied because we had reached out to so many doctors and we continued to get the same response. Mm. Eventually, the mom got embarrassed and discouraged and she left our church. Seven years passed, 
without Mama Victor coming to church. Until just recently, a few months ago, mm -hmm. Mama Victor, she returned to church. And just after returning to church, a, a couple weeks later, she got the courage to come with her son, Victor. It was one Sunday morning, we were singing, and as we sing in our Sunday morning, I often compare it to an aerobics class when we do our praise songs, because Fred teaches them and dances with them. So kids were dancing everywhere. Mm. And then Victor, he left the middle of the church where he was sitting, seating, seated, sat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Pick your choice. <laughs> And he ran in front, and mm -hmm. he touched the altar. Mm. The mom didn't realize at first, but when she realized she ran in front, she grabbed Victor's hand, and she looked down, running to her seat. Mama Victor was so embarrassed. You could tell that she had carried a heavy burden that day. You could now also tell that Victor, he was not born malnourished. Victor was born with a mental disability. During the next song, one of our worship songs, now Mama Victor, she left her seat, and she came in front, and she knelt before God. And as she knelt, she cried, and she prayed to her God, and you could feel the burden that she was leaving in front. I was sitting just in front, and she was praying in her mother tongue, which I don't understand, but as a mother, I knew everything that she was praying mm. I left my seat and I came forward and I knelt with Mama Victor. And I held her hands and together we prayed and we cried. And in that moment I told God, God, we will not let Mama Victor and Victor leave again. Even without a sponsor, we will admit Victor into our sponsorship program. They need you, Father. That evening we called Mama Victor and we told her that we wanted to start to look for a special needs school for Victor. Special needs schools are very expensive in Kenya, and they're hard to find. She was so relieved. She was so thankful. Despite not seeing them for seven years, when she was ready, she knew she could come back to God. The seed of love that we planted in her son's life when he was just a baby left her confident enough that she could return to us and that we would receive her with love. Just before we left Kenya to visit the U.S., Victor, he had his first day of school. After seven years, he finally had his first day of school. Mm -hmm. And Mama Victor, she called us that evening with great joy saying, thank you. God has removed my shame. Hmm. Three weeks ago, our son Josiah was admitted at Children's Hospital, uh, both with RSV and COVID-19. Many of you prayed for us, and uh, we are so grateful for your prayers and concern. Particularly, uh, Pastor Tom kept on calling and prayed with us through the phone. We felt encouraged, and may God bless you. Thank you very much for such a caring heart. And uh, I want to say that... Uh, God has a lot of good things on your way. As we were in the hospital with our son Josiah, I was eager to get him off the oxygen. You know, as a parent, I wanted my son to get well quickly so that I can bring him home. You know, 
each and every time when a nurse will come and uh, <laughs> will have questions like, how is he doing? How is my son doing? Is he improving or his, 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 his condition is deteriorating further and further? Uh, you know, um, unfortunately, uh, the health of our son began, I mean, like, you know, went worse before it became better. So when the nurse could come, you know, we, we had these questions. So it reached a time whereby, you know, weaning off oxygen from him, and then I, I asked him, I asked her that, hey, can we win her, even he, win him, even just up to a liter now? She kept on encouraging us, consoling us with this one word. Whenever we'll ask questions, she told us that good things, good things take time. Again, she said, parents of Josiah, I'm telling you, good things take time. Indeed, good things take time. Good things take time. In the last year, we have seen tremendous growth at Good News Miguena Academy. It is easy to think that this was an overnight success. The reality is it took hard work, much seeds to be sown, and also to be prayed over. And I want to tell you that God was also preparing us as leaders. And when God realized that now we were ready, he allowed us to take this big step in the ministry. Just before we came uh, to U.S., we had a graduation of the students that were graduating to uh, next class. So the village came. The parents came. And amongst them, there was a retired teacher. This is a man that is respected in that community. So when it uh, came a time of giving speeches, he was among the people who was to give speeches. And then so people were eagerly waiting. What is he going to say about the school? So when his time came, he took the microphone and he said that this place used to be so bushy. But right now, Good News Miguena Academy has transformed Miguena Village. Transformation is taking place. People are being employed. Children are being educated. Indeed, transformation has taken place at Miguena Village. Miguena Village was regarded as a place or as a soil that is rocky and thorny. A place that didn't have potential, but through the work of Christ, Good News Miguena Academy has brought tremendous 
transformation in the homes that are within the Gwena village. In all of this, we have to play our part. But God, he is the gracious farmer, sowing seed everywhere, the competent pruner taking away things that draw us away, and ultimately, he is the one that makes us grow. Just like Apostle Paul said, I planted the seeds, Apollos watered it, but God, God is the one that makes it grow. Mm -hmm. St. John's, you continue to plant seeds in your community, in your families, in your workplace. And in the last 10 years, St. John's, you have been planting seeds in Kenya. You have planted the seeds. Together we've worked tirelessly at watering those seeds. And God has graciously answered our prayer mm -hmm. to let those seeds bloom. Take a look at how God is working in Kenya through your partnership. I'll never forget the day, almost two years, when we broke the ground at this exact same spot. We could never imagine of what God had in store for this community. This place was a bushy field in a rural Kenyan community. And uh, today, it is a safe place for children to flourish and receive great education as they are being shown the love of Christ by the staff at Good News Liguena Academy. Take a look. What has made our dream a thriving reality in just a few short years? Partners like you. We have only reached this far because of partners like you that believe that God wanted to do something great in Maguena Village. Today, we have six classrooms at Good News Maguena Academy, ranging from 3K all the way up to third grade. We have over 200 students enrolled here and 15 staff members that are committed to transforming Maguena Village. As we continue to grow at GMMA, we look for ways to improve what we offer families in this community. Our new set of goals includes a new classroom for our fourth grade students, a dining room, and a kitchen facility for our cooks to prepare balanced meals and a second school van to transport kids safely to school. Among our set of goals are scholarships to help keep school fees low for families as we help subsidize the cost of the upkeep of Good News Maguena Academy. It is important for us to keep the cost of education as affordable as possible for families in Miguena village. We don't want parents to have to choose between educating their children and feeding their family. As the cost of living continues to rise around the world, we desire to partner with families. We want families to stay together. We want parents not only to see a future for their child, but to have confidence that their child's future is bright. 
That is why your partnership is so impactful. It educates children, keeps family together, share the word of God, and brightens the future of a child in Kenya. Join us and partner with us. Your donation, your prayers, they are making a difference. And we are seeing it every day. Thank you.